KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City. KRXO Claremore Tulsa, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, TotallyTickets.com presents the Franchise Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Postgame Show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Hello, everyone. You heard it there. Thunder Postgame Show with Christine Butterfield. That's me. And I'm here with the incomparable Brady Trantham. Yo, the Thunder did it. They won, actually. Uh, Well, we'll get to that in a second. Also with the one and only Ryan Chapman and your favorite producer's favorite producer, Matt Burton. Now, the Thunder won 101. Bro, you're not going to let Matt or I talk? I think that's kind of the bit, right? Not for me. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you're grouping into that now. Whatever. Yeah, Ryan's kind of a diva. I'm not. I don't have any diva. He's a little poodle, isn't he? I prefer the term prima donna. Please, drama queen. And that is spelled P R E M A D O N A, right? Yes. There we go. Yes. Shout out to the internet. Love to see it. The Thunder win 101 to 89. Now, this game started off much like the game that they played against the New Orleans Pelicans, where they started off really slow in the first quarter. They actually only scored 5 of 24 from the field, 2 of 12 from the three, and they only had two points in the paint. So, pretty tragic in the first quarter. That's not good. No. Hot take, Ryan. Not good. You're welcome. Then. Like we saw again against the Pelicans, the bench kind of revived this team. They kind of bailed them out there, and they went into halftime tied to 42-42. And I'll go to Brady first on this. Do you? So this has happened for the past two games, where they come out slow in the first quarter, they put in the bench to start the second, and the bench kind of bails them out and plays well and puts the whole team in a better position to win. And then after the second half, or after halftime, they end up being able to be competitive and pull out a win. So we've seen this happen twice in a row. Do you see this becoming a trend? I don't really know how... Uh, you can't set a watch with this bench just because... I mean, Hamadou Diallo is going to be the sixth man of this team. And we know with Hamadou Diallo, he brings he brings something to the table with his athleticism. Uh, unfortunately, in terms of his consistency, it's just going to be up and down. He's just inconsistent. But you hope with the more consistent role that he's had this season as compared to the last few seasons that he's been with the team and uh, just being healthy, having that consistency that he can be a little bit more on the high side in terms of the inconsistency. So I think you're just seeing, you know, him simply catching rhythm and uh, outstanding game for him. Uh, The bench just totally destroyed the Knicks' bench. They just basically outplayed the Knicks. I mean, you look at the Thunder starting five, I think George Hill, uh, Darius Baisley, Lou, Lou Dort, they all shot awfully i think they combined of like five of 22 al horford had a good shooting night sga was really good we'll talk about him later but uh, again this is a second game in a row like you said christine where the bench really picked up the energy they really uh i mean not to say that the starting five just kind of came out there with a lack of energy but just in terms of a lack of hitting shots yeah um if hamadou dial is going to be able to hit outside jumpers because he can get to the rim and he can actually get uh, to the foul line a little bit more than you'd probably assume uh, if he can hit outside shots, great. And then, of course, I mean, if Pokashevsky's going to hit Kevin Durant threes at the top of the key with a hand in his face, then by all means, the Thunder have the best bench in the league, right? Obviously. I, I just don't know what six-man-of-the-year voters are going to do. Uh, you've disrespected the name of Mike Mascala by saying that Hamadou Diallo is going to be this team's six-man. But uh, this was a really interesting thing. So I was listening to Christine and Brady. You guys did a wonderful job on the OKC82 podcast. If there's ever not a post-game show, make sure you're subscribed to that. Talking last game about how the, the second unit came in and ignited the squad, like you said, and the Dagnut went away from that in the second quarter. In this game, I, I thought it was really interesting because I, I looked up with like six and a half minutes left, and I'm like, wait a minute, guys. Dag don't like miss the rotation. He just let him roll. They're still and, in, yeah. Yeah, they're still in. And, and you know, you guys kind of talked about it in the OKC82 that for a team that's trying to develop, like if it were a normal team trying to win games, sure, you roll with that second unit when it's hot. But for a team that's trying to develop, you get your starters back in, stuff like that. That's not what happened tonight. And and I find that to be really interesting. Now we could look back in two months and be like, Ryan, you're an idiot. This is just, you know, one of 72 or whatever. But I, I just think that while we're so focused on the players developing. This is Mark Adnault's first year as an NBA head coach. It's also important for him to have those moments where he he acknowledges, okay, the second unit's hot. It happened last game, and and, and he and by not 
just rolling with him. He's like, I killed the momentum. This time, he let it ride, let it ride. Then when it kind of, you know, pattered out a little bit, you saw SGA kind of come back in. Then you saw the rest of the start. So I think that's really important, um, not just for the for the players on the court, but for Mark Dagnall, because this is a year of development for him as well. So for him to recognize that from, from the last two or three outings and to adjust that, I think that's a good sign. Yeah, I definitely agree. I thought it was a good adjustment by him because in the previous game, I kind of voted against that call to put in the starters again because I would in that situation go with the hot hand go with the players that are shooting better go with the players that are playing more collectively as a unit versus putting in some of the starters that have been strong for most of the season but just kind of seem off and aren't shooting as well as they usually do or not shooting effectively as they usually do so for him to be able to kind of self-correct going into this game and realize that he was seeing a similar situation to a couple nights ago, but made the better decision shows that, you know, he can also learn from his mistakes. It wasn't really a mistake because they ended up winning the game, but for him to be able to see that, make that connection and grow from it, I think is really important. Brady already talked about Hamadou Diallo becoming possibly the sixth man of the Thunder. Well, I like, I don't think there's a debate. Like that's who they want the sixth man to be. He's the first guy off the bench, but, but I mean, you know, is he that guy? That's what we're going to get into because when I think of Hamadou Diallo, I kind of think the good, the bad, and the homie. Because Boo. he's... That's actually kind of right. good. I like that one. Thank you so much. Boo. I'm glad I have it some had, support on this no, post-game it, show. It had all the symptoms of being corny, but a- actually, like when it came out of her mouth, I was like, okay, no, I, I, I'll, I'll mess with that. That's the advantage Christine has. When she says things, they just sound so much better than in any of us. Like, as my voice is raspy and dying right now, and like Brady's Brady. Well, like. I just need somebody to Photoshop Homie's face on Clint Eastwood. Just somebody do that. If you're listening, and you, especially if you're driving, especially if you're in your car with your laptop, please Photoshop it and tweet it at us. Fire up that After you've parked. Derek Parker, front of the, front of the show. Yeah. DP, save us! Please! But yeah, I I think of him as, obviously we've talked about this before, he can be pretty inconsistent when it comes to his game, his shooting, um, just his overall level of energy. But when his athleticism meets him at his skill, he can have a pretty effective night. And tonight he had a double-double. He scored 23 points, also had 11 rebounds, shot 8 of 13 from the field. So it's safe to say he was one of the best players for the Thunder, what does it mean? I'm going to ask Ryan first. What does it mean for the Thunder when Hamadou Diallo has this night? Do you think that obviously they're better off for it, or do you think that it doesn't really mean that much considering the fact he's so inconsistent? Well, if if Hami like when Hami plays like this, the Thunder should win every game. Like, right. That, that's going to be the indictment of you can't throw away these Hamdou Diallo games. Like Brady said, like the, the athleticism, we've known about that since he's been a member of this team. That's something that Billy Donovan always keyed in on is if the Thunder had a slow start, even if you didn't, if he wasn't going to give you a ton offensively, he always knew that Hamdou Diallo was going to bring this kind of energy on the defensive end of the floor. He's a slam dunk contest champion. We know that he can dunk, all that stuff. But when he's doing it like he did tonight, for the most part in the flow of the game, he, he did kind of, you know, go... Uh, balls to the wall, downhill Hami twice. One of them he got bailed out with a foul, stuff like that. But if he can bottle that up and contain that and not do that as much and, and have those moments where he got to the rim easily and, and then he spaced the floor with his three-point shooting. like If Hamadou Diallo plays like this and develops like this, like we are talking about a completely different Thunder team next year, two years from now, three years from now as to what this core is going to be. That's the real question, though. Is is this going to be just he does it once every ten games and and everyone's just frustrated? I think that's I think that's the thing. You, if you want to be super optimistic about Hamdou Diallo, you can just go back to last year. Uh, we played like five or six games um, as as the sixth man besides Dennis Schroeder. I mean, Dennis Schroeder. That was a kind of a, an odd situation where he's a starter, but he's the first guy off the bench. But like you said, th- this team wants Hamadou Diallo to kind of accept that role because. He may not be the leading scorer off the bench. I mean, Mike Muscala has had a lot of uh, high-scoring games, uh, relatively speaking, for this team early in the season. But Hami has the most influence on the bench when the bench unit is out there. He's facilitating the offense. He's running the floor. Um, he's taking shots. I mean, he's doing a little bit of everything. Teo Maladon is going to be that at some point, but you know, he's just not there yet. But, I mean, going back to last year, Hamadou Diallo had a really um, good start to the season on offense and defense, and then, unfortunately, he got hurt. And when he once he fell out of the lineup, he fell that fell out of that consistent role. He just could never really put it back together for whatever reason. So the hope is if he can just get 
find this consistency, if he can find that rhythm, and just like you said, bottle up w- what assets he has athletically, and you know, turn that into basketball, then you have the makings of, of a pretty good basketball player coming off the bench, and potentially, uh, when you think of sixth man on a normal NBA team, you can think of a Hamadou Diallo type player. Well, and I've been as critical as any on the Hamadou Diallo primary ball handler experiment. Nights like this are are why the Thunder have wanted to roll that out because it's not for Hami to be the backup point guard. It's so that he has the experience to to have a performance like tonight. And when he plays like tonight, it looks really good. Then against Brooklyn, if he goes out and looks like he has it other times this year, I'll, I'll be back Oof. to yelling. So Right, of course. But that leads me into this next question because you guys have kind of keyed it up pretty well. Mike Muscala has actually done pretty well for the past couple of games. His shooting has been good. He's been very effective. Hamadou Diallo, though, he can really energize this team when he's on. On their best night, who would you rather have? Wow. I mean, on their best night, Hamadou Diallo is a better... He has a higher ceiling than Mike Muscala. I'm sorry if that hurt anybody's feelings. Talking to you, Madison Morris. Ow. Um, also, somebody, somebody's dad, if they're listening, I'm sure they're upset too. But Hamadou Diallo, I, I'd go him. Yeah, I mean, you have to, if you're going on your best night, I'd go Hami. But what we've seen so far this season, just, just night to night, like Muscala is still the consistent player. Though his ceiling's not as high. This is kind of what the Thunder, if Hami can develop into someone like Muscala, even that, where he is consistently pretty good like the, i think the thunder will be really pleased and that's what's so exciting is that that that's the bar of like if if hami can reach that floor then the thunder could be really pleased anything beyond that and you're just going night and day over what it is but i i do think we need to have a quick moment of silence for mike muscala's future fatherhood prospects because oh my gosh the fourth uh, quarter the, poor, the little the boys down there started out with mike muscala's manhood getting well, he didn't have a, a foul. he didn't have a groin or testicle contusion he had a rib contusion fair it it was. Uh, it looked rough though. It was not the ribs that uh, hurt me secondhand off the television. So you can have kids in other ways. <sighs> okay. Fair. Shout out adoption. Yeah. Test tubes. The stork. I mean, whatever they're he, called. He, he could be a fur father. What are, what is that, Ryan? When you're the father Please. of a dog, Brady. I love this part in The Shining. It's my favorite part. Uh, don't we all? Don't we all? Christine, save us. Uh, no. So. There will be no saving tonight. No! Apparently By not. the way, is everybody upset this team won again? They won two games in a row. They're supposed to lose. Thunder fans, how are you feeling? I'm honestly really conflicted because I feel like they're, I feel like Thunder fans are now divided. I feel like some of them are very happy that their team is actually exceeding expectations and winning more games than they considered that they would win at this point in the season. And so they're actually happy that they can have some joy and watch the team look good. And then there's some fans out there that are just upset that they're not going along with their tank and they might not get that lottery pick. And I'm very confused on where the whole like conglomerate of fans are on this spectrum. No, I mean, there's, this is a win-win season for Thunder fans. If you lose, you can be like, oh, tank. If you win, you can be like, oh, the, the core is coming along. It's it, like the Philadelphia 76ers model of tanking a win is a true disaster because you're just like none of those players were going to be there for the future all of those guys are just hate being there like this is not one of those situations so I, like it's it's fine what I'm curious though is depending on how some of the chips fall Kyrie Irving taking his personal time we don't know if he's going to be back Steve Nash apparently is unable to get a hold of him guess Kyrie hasn't felt like emailing Steve Nash's practice schedule Kevin Durant, we don't know what quarantine stuff's going to look like there. Like this Thunder team going to Brooklyn. If no Kyrie, no Kevin Durant, they can pull out there. They're all of a sudden above 500. And, uh, you know, 10 games in, that's that, you know, window, first window you want to look at. 10 games in, the Thunder could very well be a 500 team. And uh, Oh, boy. Not in the plans. That's scary. Well, it's sad to know that Steve Nash is a pawn, I guess, to Kyrie Irving. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But the, to, the disrespect. But to me, I mean, tanks are scary. I mean, just ask the Eastern Front. But, I mean, look what the Thunder have done. They, they've beaten now the fifth seed in the East, the New York Knicks, the New York Knicks, and the second seed in the East, the Orlando Magic. So... Great for the young guys that are going to be here for a while. You want to see them uh, recover. You want to see them adapt 
to different opponents. You want to see them adapt to film and put it into practice on the floor. And they're certainly doing that. But it's going to get to a point, guys, where, I mean, even if Brooklyn's going to be minus a Kyrie Irving, um, I mean, they've got a ton of guys that can score the basketball. they got a ton of guys that can just do everything that you want to do in 2021 basketball. So it's going to be a tough ask. But, I mean, I think at this point, this early in the season, we can at least expect the Thunder to, they're going to try their damnedest. Also, shout out to George Hill for bringing 2021 basketball to Oklahoma City as he is wide ass open, just under the rim. No one's around him, and he finds Lou Dort in the corner. He's like, I don't want this dunk. I want Lou Dort to miss a three in the corner. He said, no, I'm good. This isn't my night. It's okay. Matt, anything to add? To what, what do to the vibes tell you? Can you read the vibes yes. for us, please? <laughs> Vibe check. Um, I think we put Matt into like some type of amnesia state when we asked him about life after Mike Krzyzewski Mike at Duke. Yeah. yeah. He was just like, uh... That's all I've been thinking about. No, just who who's going to take over? He, he rent free in his mind. He's he, like, surely yeah. it's not Capel. Anyone but Capel. Anyone but Jeff Capel. <laughs> yeah, we told him Please. Jeff Capel. He was like, no. <laughs> he, goes, he just goes, no. Nope. <laughs> and then I left quit. the room. I excused myself from the room after they said Jeff Capel. If that's the case, um, <laughs> Duke is already under investigation. Yeah, yeah I was about, almost to, without I was about to say, Matt, Matt just started committing recruiting violations left and right to just be like, no. No, no. Yeah, it's funny. Christine is a Kansas fan talking about recruiting violations. Um, funny how I didn't say that, oh, but I knew the stuff was coming. I knew the stuff oh, was coming. What? You know what? We can Her fight about it <laughs> during right the break. Now. That is fine. Um, You're getting no, wrinkles. This was a boring game, if I'm going to be completely honest. I, I think was, I fell asleep. It was, yeah. it was a very boring game. Um, the Knicks only scored 89 points in a professional basketball <laughs> game, which, I mean, it happens. But, no, it was good to see Hami play like that. Um Kind of unexpected to see Hami play like that, to be honest. Um, but Shea Gilgis Alexander after halftime. I mean, what more can you say? Uh, that, Peace mode. That play where Hami just hid in the corner after a Thunder missed shot. Julius Randle was just like casually yeah. walking up the floor. He's like, all right, I'm going to run point and like bring my team back. And Hami just like, nah, <laughs> and stole the Cheeky. ball from right by. Like, Ugh. come on, <laughs> Randle, you had a good start to the season. Now it's all gone to. Gone down the Julius drain. Randall only played 31 minutes tonight. That's that, got to be a season low. Tom Thibodeau is just, you know, he probably just is like, you know, let's just take this night off. Only 31 minutes. Yeah, RJ just... Barrett, though, 44 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Tibbs looks awful. He looked like unwell tonight. <laughs> looks like it's like gone Some, outside in weeks. Somebody on Twitter said Thibodeau looks like a corrupt Gotham City cop. <laughs> I, I like that. Commissioner, I Commissioner Gordon. He must have friends. Yikes. Well, more Yikes moments coming up soon. We will get into Take Commander of the Game and a lot of other fun stuff. Again, the Thunder won, even though it was a boring game. Still won. Still a lot of stuff to talk about, so stick with us. Welcome back to the Thunder Post Game Show with myself, Christine Butterfield. Brady Trantham. Whoa! You, you what? Gotta, you gotta attempt the word salad. Salad? It's the franchise first take Thunder Post Game Show. You, got, you gotta... Thunder first take Post game show. Nope. Did I do it right? Nope. Franchise. Franchise. First take. First take. Thunder post game show. Thunder post game show. Right a passage. You get. You got to stumble through the word salad like the rest of us. Well, it's fine. Um, clearly, I said it once. I don't have to do it again. That was Ryan Chapman, Radio's Ryan on Twitter, and we're here with Matt Burton as well. Probably won't talk for this entire segment, but that's okay. Uh, the Thunder. But why? <laughs> because that's what okay. happened. I, I love that. Oh, no, no, no. I get it. I don't cover the Thunder, so I must not know anything about what I'm talking about. That's not what I meant. I'm kidding. It was implied. Yikes. Thunder won 101 to 89. And what I thought was actually kind of strange about this game that has kind of been going on for the past few games for the Thunder is George Hill and Al Horford haven't been as strong as I assumed they would be this season. The old suck, Christine. I mean, I guess Al the Horford, joints are just going off. Al Horford came to life tonight. No, but. Al Horford did well tonight, but for the past couple of games, he's been pretty quiet. And George Hill, he started off strong, but still the past few games as well, his um, shooting effectiveness has not been high. So I don't know what they're going forward. I don't know if they're trying to become assets. I don't know if they're just not in it with this young core. But what do you think the future is for these two, Ryan? Well, I mean, for... Al Horford, it's a matter of he was a certain style of basketball player, and then Philadelphia was like, actually, we need you to go be something else. So for him, I think it's just a trying to a rediscovery, a season of repositioning, whatever you want to call it. 
he's trying to just get back to his old form and show NBA bas- NBA teams that are contenders, like, this is the style of basketball that he can play. He can be an addition. For George Hill, like, he's come in, and, and he, he was a salary dump as part of the deal. But George Hill, George Hill came in. He's been the consummate professional. He's said all the right things in the media, and he just wasted— The fans love him. Yeah, and he wasted all of his shooting in the very first game. It's just been a an aggressive, you know, regression to the mean. So it's one of those things that— is it concerning on one hand? Yes, because it makes it harder to flip those assets and and all that stuff. But on the other hand, like those aren't the guys that you're worried about. Like they need to fit in and just fill the the spots left by the young core because because that's who you're trying to build for. You're trying to build for Baisley, right? See what Hami can be, Lou Dort, all that stuff. So like. If they go out and they stink, like I'd rather see them stink than Darius Baisley, who is bad tonight. No, I mean I would rather see them, you know, take the bullet as well. But my problem is, like you said, Ryan, it's then harder to flip them for assets later, which I think is exactly what Sam Presti's trying to do. So it's not really in the plan for them to not be as strong as expected, especially when Sam Presti's plan of tanking is clearly not working out. Well, Sam Presti's like allergic to building non-playoff basketball teams. But, I mean, George Hill, look, he's got two years left on his deal, so it's not an an expiring deal. Al Horford has an extra year on top of that. Like, it doesn't really matter until next year, honestly. Like, the person that you're trying to flip this year has yet to put on a Thunder uniform in uh, Trevor Reza. Hot take. Well, George Hill just, he is what he is. He's an okay basketball player. He brings some things to the table, and front offices that would be willing to trade for him know that, and no performance uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder with George Hill is going to change that. He could he could miss, what, like 50% of his shots from here until the trade deadline, and there are going to be two or three teams that would want him in a trade just because they feel like George Hill, either his veteran presence or his presence off the bench in, in that role, uh, can help put that team over the top in the playoffs going forward uh, deeper into the postseason. That's not going to change d- due to a performance here and there. And then the whole thing with, you know, like, look, I mean, let's just all calm down. Like, the Thunder are, you know, they've won two games in a row. There are 72 games in this season. It's go, it's a long season. It's going to be a long time. It, it's, it never fails. We get 10 games into the season, like really quick, um, once the season starts, and you feel like, man, this is going to be over, like in a, in a breeze. And then two months later, you realize, oh, we're barely halfway there. So at some point, this team is going to hit hit a wall. At some point, other teams are going to have them figured out, uh, scouting wise. And nights like this are are going to be kind of a you know few and far in between, especially if Hamadou Diallo is going to be scoring like he did off the bench tonight. Uh, just judging by how inconsistent he is, but uh, I think the main thing is don't expect George Hill and Al Horford to just be these efficient scores that are going to be taking eight nine shots a game or eleven shots a game and hit six seven eight of those shots. I mean, if they do, great. It's going to help increase the margin for error uh, for the team in that particular game. But I mean. Al Horford is probably the most attractive tra- trade asset for um, obvious reasons, but at the end of the day, it's not something. It's not somebody that people would be banging down the door for. I mean, Danilo Gallinari was a more uh, more attractive trade asset, I I think, last year, and maybe even Chris Paul to some to some front offices, but more so than Al Horford. But that just has more to do with roster construct because Al Horford is something that you you have to have something in place. And then he easily moves into it. Whereas Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, those guys you can kind of just bring into any roster and they can thrive. I, I mean, I actually think if we're, I think Mike Muscala is the most attractive asset right now on this roster. Obviously, you're not going to command as much for Muscala than Horford, but he's a guy that is not getting paid bukus of money, and he similarly can can come in and be that guy that just fits in on the second unit. But are you uh, talking strictly on the bench or the whole he, team? No, like for I, Mike. Yeah, the whole team, because, I, I mean, Baisley, SGA, Ludort, like, they're not available for trade. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, SGA is a more attractive asset to acquire than any of those guys, but that's, you know, futile unless something wild happens. Right, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. I think Mike Wiscala is going to be the most attractive asset by the end of the season, but we'll see, obviously, what happens later well, on. I mean, the man of the gun year. to my head, the most attractive <laughs> asset not. It might be a Diallo involved with Oklahoma City is Matt Burden. 
<laughs> As he oh, scrolls well, up to his chair. Oh, yeah, I no, said sorry. he wasn't going to talk. I wasn't going to talk, so I'm, I'm, I'm back over here. I'm back over here. Well, you've, been loved, Brady. You've, been, you've been silenced well. by you've been silenced by Christine Butterfield. Thank you, Brady. I appreciate the compliment. Oh no. Oh no! Whoa. Christine Butterfield has banned oh. Matt Burton. There's no, no need for it, drama no, on this post game. I was thinking Brady for his just for 12 hours. January 8th is just going to be known as the Banhammer Day for no particular reason. A Jurassic Park <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> Jurassic Park with a very big band today. Here comes, Christine, save us! Here comes that MSNBC franchise again. Save us, Christine! Just get Jeff Goldblum. He solves everything. Uh, now that is one big pile of... Christine, how the Thunder play tonight? Anyway, the Thunder play pretty well. And you know what impressed me tonight? And I know this... What one, impressed you tonight, Christine? Thank you for asking. <laughs> so rhetorical, but thank you. Man, the Knicks are trash. <laughs> are they the worst 5-4 and four team in NBA history? Discuss. Oh, I'd be willing to say so. Yeah. All right. What impressed you tonight, Christine? Sorry. Am I? Can I go now? It's your anyway, show. no, I'm going to go. So what impressed me tonight, Ryan, is that, and I know this won't be consistent for the next couple of games because the Knicks are just not that talented and not that big, but the Thunder scored 42 points in the paint tonight. And I think that SGA especially, along with Hamadou Diallo, just did a really great job in being aggressive, getting to the rim, which ended up being in their favor the entire game. And it helps when they're not shooting that well from the three. They made 11 of 34 tonight. So they really needed to pick up points in the points in the paint by that. And just being able to get to the rim, be aggressive, also get um, the foul calls on top of that so that they could get those extra points off of free throws. I think really helped the Thunder in the long run, which is what really extended their lead, in my opinion. But how often do you think you're going to see these, you know, games from the Thunder where they are strong in the paint, Ryan? Like never. Right. This is, I mean, this is just not Al Horford's not that guy. Mike Mescala's not that guy. Baisley's not that guy. At this Hami's point that career. guy every like one in ten games probably. Yeah, Hami if he can you know control the turnovers and and limit those. But this is a this is a team that. I, I know that Mark Dagnall wants to bring a more modern version of basketball, shoot more threes, stuff like that. They're succeeding at that, but also like he doesn't have the roster to do anything else, really. There is just no real great post presence as far as having just like a physical big down low, and that's why I was so surprised that they were able to topple New Orleans in their last matchup, not to go to a different game here, but like it's just a terrible matchup on paper. I need to actually find their shot chart. I, I can't get it on the mobile device for whatever reason, but I, I'm curious to see if the vast majority of Oklahoma City's points in the paint, because like you guys said, they outscored the Knicks 42-38, to 38, and that's rarely going to happen with this team, as you pointed out, but I'm willing to bet the majority of their points in the paint might have come from Hamadou Diallo, just getting to the rim. Because, I mean, he had a few op- open jumpers. He had a three. I, I just feel like most of his damage is cutting to the rim, getting into the paint. And if he's going to have a good game like that, that kind of counterbalances the fact that the Thunder are really small and they can't just simply feed it to anybody in the post or Shea Gillis-Alexander can't drive to the rim and just find Al Horford trailing to the basket uh, for a putback or just, you know, for an easy layup like Russell Westbrook would do so many years with Steven Adams. It's just, you know, different types of players. But, um, I mean, the thing for the Thunder, if they're going to want to win games, uh, they're going to chuck up a bunch of threes. If they can make those, great. It's going to increase their margin for error. If the bench comes out there and plays like they did tonight, uh, they could very well win. Uh, but if they don't hit threes, then it's inherent on guys like Hamadou Diallo, Pokushevsky if he's healthy, uh, Mike Mascala, of course, like you guys have said, uh, to just basically do a little bit of everything. And tonight you saw that. And unfortunately, Shea Gilles-Alexander, just, he had it from start to finish. We haven't re- even really got a chance to talk about him. Uh, but he had it from start to finish on uh, both ends of the floor and uh, championed a few fast breaks. Shout out Matt Burton once again. Uh, but, I mean, this is the Hamadou Diallo game. Shout out. Good job. You did it in the garden. Everybody will remember this game for the rest of their lives. The kid from Queens. Uh, just real quick, Brady, for you. Hami and Shea each had 10, so 20 of the Thudders' points in the paint came from that duo. Horford, Mascala, and Baisley combined for eight. So, yeah. ba- and This was a bad Baisley game. Very. Ooh, tough. He got played off. I mean, obviously, Hamadou Diallo played exceptionally well, so it's not as if Darius Baisley, even if he had an average night, I think Hami is still going to be playing uh, minutes late in, that, in the game. 
as it turned out. But Darius just had a he had a bad night. I mean, offensively, defensively, uh, especially coming off of a great performance in the second half against the Pelicans. Uh, I mean, this is just going to be a roller coaster for him because he's taking a lot of responsibility. You can tell it's still in football mode when you're like, you know, he had a bad night offensively, defensively. And I'm just like, yeah, special teams. He was pretty awful. Oh, no. No. My bad. Yeah. Play calling was awful. It got cute. Got conservative. Stop got calling too reverses. They've never worked. Come on now. But, yeah, I mean, looking at the just the shots tonight, actually, Hamadou Diallo made all of his shots from right at the rim, except for two. One at the some of the free throw line and then one at the corner three. So, like Brady said before, all right at the rim and then SGA just really getting it done by going to the rim being aggressive and also shot well from the three as well not too shabby but I think it's time we've we talked enough about how great Hamadou Diallo was we talked about SGA I think it's time for tank team winner of the game is maybe. it maybe 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 we thought the allegedly that working this is what you call buffering. How wow. does one tank when you beat the fifth seed on the on on the road? Mm. You have to. Right. That's that's what the season's for. Okay, so my computer is not working. Uh, right. Should we do it live? Let's go taking. We're Let's going, going taking. Hold hold please. Just get, go ahead with your take. I'll try to work on this. So that Shea Gildas Alexander feller. <laughs> pretty he good. On a fast break. Pre- pretty good. Another game where he attacked early. Which is what I want to see. Like I, th- I went into the season thinking, okay, I want to see a point guard that facilitates early, and especially with a roster like this and a starting five like this, where everybody on paper can do everything. Everybody on paper can shoot. Everybody on paper can uh, facilitate the offense. Everybody on paper can get to the basket. Nice. Seamless. I'm being played off. <laughs> yeah, Brady. We don't care about. I'll that accept anymore. my Academy Award. You're Ron Burgundy accepting his award. Turn the music off. <laughs> the music off. Great job filling time, Brady. But we'll start with. We'll start with you, Brady, actually, because you just did so great filling time. He just gave his. SG? Yeah. He's not my tank commander of the game. Oh, he's yeah. not? No, he okay. played well. I was I was so confused on what just happened. <laughs> yeah, Brady, so let's go to you first. Tank commander of the game. That would be one Darius Baisley. It's just bad. Just bad. I mean, especially if you get played off the floor by Hamadou Diallo. I mean, some nights like this one, you, you kind of understand why, but in terms of what we expect out of Darius Baisley, even, it might be unfair at this point in his career. It's probably unfair, but um, if we had to pick one, I'll go I'll go Darius Baisley. It pains my heart. I don't think I'll be calling his name for this segment that much this season, though. Ryan, you going to go chalk or are you going to... There was one man who was standing alone under the rim tonight. He had no one near him. And he said, I'm going to throw the ball to Lou Dort instead, who will then clank a three almost off the side of the backboard. George Hill, come on down. One for four. I get it. You're trying to implement 2021 basketball, but oh my gosh. Just take the dunk. You're allowed to You're allowed to dunk the basketball. George Hill can't dunks. dunk. You do a layup. You can't dunk. You lay it up yeah. there. Remember how shocked we were when Chris Paul finished an alley-oop dunk in the All-Star game last year? Simpler times. Ah, uh, what a time to be alive. Matt Burton. We were we were alive. Exactly. I was going to go. Allegedly. It was a time to be alive. Part of the simulation. I, I was going to, for the exact same reason, I was going to go with George Hill. Same team, same team. Same team. Hashtag same team. High fives. High fives. fives. So cute. <laughs> what a good romance. What a romance. I'm not going chalk because boring. I'm going to go with Isaiah Roby. You know, I didn't think he was that effective from the bench. I, I thought that he just kind of was meh tonight. I mean, he scored four points. Okay, cool. But, um... I don't think he really helped with the effort at all. So that's going to be my tank commander of the game. I'm glad no one picked Lou Dort because he had a fairly below average shooting night. He had a big three late, but he was also good when they were trying to close the game. Like all five, yeah. Of, yeah. All five of his points came in crunch time. That's why I didn't pick Lou. Dort. Yeah, had a big shot late. I mean, he because if whatever, you look at the stat line, it's you know he's two of nine from field, one of six from three, and so you would think, oh wow, Lou Dort wasn't on it tonight. Yeah. But, but, I mean, whatever you feel or however your opinion is on R.J. Barrett, and I don't have that much of a high opinion on him. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, but Lou Dort put the clamps on him. I think he shot 7 of 22. Just not a good night at all. I mean, uh, R.J. had 19 points, but he had to work for all of them. It's uh, I mean, if Lou Dort's not going to hit shots, it's okay, because you know you're going to get that effort on the other end of the floor. For sure, for sure. I mean, that's what I really care about when I watch Lou Dort play. Defensive ability. And if he can make shots... Cool. Good job. You're listening to the Thunder First Take Post Game Show. I think I nailed it. 
beautiful. Thank you so much. Christine Butterfield here with Brady Trantham. Wouldn't it have been tragic if you messed up your own name after doing that, though? Would have been a very Christine Butterfield thing to do. Kirsten, but I, I, I don't know who Kirsten is. Christine spelled T-E-E-N. Christine. As Jerry thinks. I had someone be like Christine, like Frankenstein. Has anybody ever called well, you Chris or Christy over the years? She is a monster. So I got Chris for a little bit. I didn't mind that. Chrissy? Ugh. No. Chrissy Butterfield. Because that would be with a K. For duty. Yeah. Oh, I'm cringing so hard Ask right now. Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy's cool. But she, but she kind of... She kind of owns that, you know what I mean? I don't think anyone could be Chrissy at this point. Well, she she's a Chrissy with a C, though. D-H. Yeah. Because her name's Christine. Right. Sorry. Brady's the only one that's confused. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm texting people. Glad to know that this hang is sources. super important. Hang up, uh, uh, hang up, and, up and hang, hang out, out, Brady. Multiple Come sauces on. confirm. Multiple sources. Oh, I can hear myself in the cans now. Now, that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate kind of radio operation going on right now. Oh, never mind. Yeah, I you, spoke you, too soon. You just oh. said cans. Yeah. Big radio. <laughs> Big radio. Hey, there's Bob Stoops on the TV. Anyway, the thunder. We come to them. We don't come to them just yet, though, because we're going to go around the association. It worked this time. Good job, Matt. Oh, we're rolling. We're cooking in bacon grease now. No, it's not playing off the computer. computer. Matt's just playing that like with his computer. The I'm holding my phone right up to the microphone. <laughs> uh, this is, it's going to be very hard for me, this segment. Um, I'm going to start off with the most anticipated matchup uh, from 18-year-old to 12-year-old basketball fans. The Charlotte Hornets versus the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. That's right. Lonzo Ball and LaMelo Ball played each other. And LaMelo came out victorious. He had 12 points, 10 boards, and 9 assists, almost a triple-double going up against Lonzo, who mm, 5 points, 3 assists, 2 boards for Lonzo. Yikes. Uh, Zion Williamson led the way for the Pelicans with 26 points and one emphatic dunk. I don't know if you guys have probably already seen it on Twitter. Indeed. Um, Built by Duke, that's all I'm going to say. Good for Zion. Who are Um, they? Uh, (laughs) Can't relate. (laughs) But anyways, Hornets win 118-110. The Detroit Pistons get their second win of the year at home Woo! in overtime against the Phoenix Suns. Yes, that's right. The Detroit Pistons beat the Phoenix Suns tonight. Uh, let's see. Devin Booker led the way with 23 points for the Suns. Jeremy Grant, 31 points, 10 boards to lead the Pistons to victory. Jerry crying on his throne that he can't celebrate his Pistons win on air. (laughs) Just crying. He's probably asleep, let's be honest. Um, The Celtics win at home against the Washington Wizards. Uh, Bradley Beal, 41 points. Bradley Beal just loves putting up great points and losses. I feel bad for him. feel really bad for him. Is he the leading scorer in the NBA? Wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Bless his heart. I thought he was going to go for 70 Poor the thing. Night, to be honest. But, yeah, no. Y'all see Scott Brooks's quote? <laughs> it was incredible. It was great. Somebody, do, does anybody remember it, like, verbatim? I can't, I can't, I'd butcher it right now. I well, wouldn't please. do it justice. Yeah, one one moment, one moment. So Brian Chapman is on the case. Obviously, there's the whole situation with the with the 76ers and, and the positive test with Seth Curry, stuff like that. And uh, Scott Brooks wasn't too worried about it. This, this comes from former friend of the franchise, Fred Katz. Scott Brooks on playing tonight after the 76ers had a positive test. Quote, I don't think our guys have anything to worry about because we weren't within six feet of them. Wizards allowed 141 points in Philly. <laughs> Good job, Scott Brooks. And shout out Fred Katz. Love that. Good for, good for Scott Brooks. Uh, another performance over 40 points in a loss. Karis LeVert put up 43 as the Nets lose in Memphis tonight to the Grizzlies 115 to 110. As I said, Karis LeVert led the way for the Nets with 43 points. Dylan Brooks led the way with 24 with uh, for the Grizzlies. Tyus Jones where'd he go to school, Christine? Duke. He went to Duke. 11 points, 10 assists for a double-double for him. Tyus Spoke Jones, all. good for Tyus Jones. I love it. Um, I don't. <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks lost at home to the Utah Jazz tonight. Uh, Jazz walk out of there with a win, one thirty-one to one eighteen. Did Giannis make a mistake? 
Probably. I, don't know. <laughs> I didn't watch the game. I was watching The Thunder. I was just saying, sign, sign in the uh, sign that deal. <laughs> Did he make a stake sign the deal? Yeah, uh, he probably could have got more money elsewhere. Look, you know, I'm Fifty just, million's not enough. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to get enough. that take warmed up. Okay, it's not enough. I like that. Got to get a stretch. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell led the way with 32 for the Jazz. Giannis had 35 for the Bucks. Couple more games. Ah, sorry, there is one, another final. The Houston Rockets win at home against the Orlando Magic, 132 to 90. Nikola Vucevic with 22 and 12 for the Magic. And Christian Wood, 22 points, 15 boards for the Rockets. Is Christian Wood early season MIP, most group player? I know he was good last year with the Pistons, but... Oh, Ryan's kind of favorite award. Ryan, I want to go to you first. Another, it's an award. We have to talk w- about What's it, he so. most improved from? I, th- I mean, because I thought he was no, good he last was good. year. Yeah, he was yeah. good last year. But he's taking it to a different level with the Rockets, I think. Unfortunately, I think he's just not going to get a lot of hype for that because the Rockets stink. Very true. Very true. I think Shea Gillis Alexander's leader in the clubhouse there. The, th- do the, the Thunder don't stink? <laughs> bro, bro, they're, they're three and one. They're, they're three and one away from home. They're three and one away from home. Okay? 2021 is weird. <laughs> Strange. You can say that again. Couple games at the end of the first quarter here. We'll just run through them real quick. Kings are up 46 35 on the Raptors at the end of the first quarter. Kings have put up 46 in the first quarter. Not bad. Um, the Clippers are up. 30 to 22 at Golden State right now at the end of the first, and the Bulls are leading the Lakers 33 to 28 at the end of the first. In that one, and that was around the association. Thank you, Matt. Well done. You're so welcome. Next time, don't talk about Duke again. So <laughs> I don't. I don't think you have that is, power, Christine. He's got all buttons over there. Is Embiid the best Jayhawk in the league? Mm. Like by far. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that pains me because, you know, um, my loyalties will always lie with Devontae Graham. But Yeah, I mean, I get that. I But I do think Joel Embiid is probably one of the best in the league. Joel Embiid still makes me mad about, well, it's not his fault. It's not his fault that he didn't have a back in college. I filled out my bracket. I picked Kansas to win that year. And then the next day, oh, he's not playing. And I think they lost in the second round. Like, yeah. And Joel Embiid hasn't cared about that, winning a game since that That moment. was the Josh Hustis year, and he just signed with the G League. Uh, who was it? Was it the Rockets G League team? I'm sorry. I'm not on I the, am not up to date. Josh Hustis got signed news. today. He's a nice guy. Former, sure. former sworn enemy of Fred Katz. Former sworn enemy of Fred Katz and Andrew Wiggins, who he shut down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only oh time, yeah, I always forget. The only time Wiggins hasn't gone for 500 in the peak. Oh yeah, yikes. yikes. Oh well, we'll see. Another yikes. So apparently, um, in the Thunder media availability for post game, which we can't be on obviously because we are doing our own post game show, but brought to you by Twitter. Apparently, Diallo was asked a question on the dunk off of a assist from Shea Gildas Alexander. And he said, and I quote, it was great. I see a lot of people joke around that I don't get above the rim anymore. It was great to show that. Nobody, Who's saying that? Yeah, nobody says that, Hami. No one's, that's literally all you do is jump. Hami, I guarantee you no one is doubting your athleticism and getting to the rim. No, no one is doubting that you have that height. No one is doubting your vertical. I promise you. The Knicks were tonight, apparently. He just jogged to the hoop a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> they twice. didn't try to stop. They were just he, like, no, don't worry about he it. He walked in slow motion to the rim, Literally. and they said, oh, wait, what's happening? <laughs> was this like the eighth game for the Knicks? Was this their eighth yeah, game? Yeah, they're five and three. Well, well I mean, That's about the time where Tim Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau players get real tired. So, I mean, I'll, I'll excuse them for being a little gassed. To be fair, I bet the scouting mm. report just said, let him dribble for as long as possible. And he might just dribble it off his foot or something. And, and unfortunately for them, he just went straight to the hoop. At some point, their cartilages will go away. God forbid. <laughs> it's we gone. Don't wanna, we don't want to see anyone hurt, but Tom Thibodeau has a track record. And not coming back. But, so, Hamadou Diallo and... Shea Gildas Alexander tonight both led with double doubles. Shea finished with 25 points, 10 rebounds. Diallo with 23 points and 11 rebounds. Both had a great night, but I think SGA kind of 
crowns him a little bit in finesse. What do you think, Ryan? I mean, yeah, SGA took over the game. What was it? 12 points alone in the third quarter. Right. And like Brady said earlier, he was attacking from the onset, setting up his teammates, all of that. What Hami did was really great, great energy. But I think that what Shea did, you want to see that because he he started off the season with two or three days. Um, I think there was like an 8 of 20 shooting performance, things like that, where, yeah, he was getting his, but it's not super efficient. Um, obviously, small sample size, but as you get deeper and deeper into the season, you, you would like to see Shea get more and more efficient. He, he's getting used to playing with the ball in his hands, not having to lean on Chris Paul. Um, and, and even last year, when Shea was was bringing the ball down the court, Chris Paul was still off-ball directing the offense. Right. You don't have that anymore. So, uh, yeah, what Hami did is, is great. I think we'll cherish it more just because you might not see another one of those for another eight or nine games. What Shea did was really impressive, just how he, how he dictated the game, and and that's exactly what you want to see. This is this is what you're looking for this year. The Thunder aren't going to win a ton of games despite what we've seen over the last two or three games, but if you can see that out of Shea Gilles Alexander, you'll feel great going into next year with whatever you know top fifteen draft pick they have. Yeah, the only disappointing thing about this being Friday is that I don't get to look forward to tuning in to the franchise tomorrow to see how Jerry could have possibly played about this one. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, he did exactly what he's wanted SGA to do, is just attack and get to the rim and push push the pace and do all the things that he did tonight and even against New Orleans throughout most of that game as well. Uh, but, I mean, I, again, I don't know. I don't know where it needs to go with SGA. And maybe it's kind of good that he'll take four or five games and do the facilitating role, take four or five games and do the attack role. Because, of course, you'd want a balance of both. You don't want it to just be one 100% one way or the other. Uh, I think you want, a, obviously, an, a versatile point guard, a versatile basketball player leading your team. SGA certainly has the capability of doing that. But um, in terms of what helps this team win, I mean, we can just roundtable it. Like The Thunder have won games with SGA facilitating this season and him just attacking what what you know aesthetically looks better to you guys i personally believe that the thunder seem better when sga is off ball i think that he i think while he's a good facilitator and i think he has a good look at the game he has a good vision of the court i just feel like he seems more confident and more comfortable when he's off ball and he's able to make plays setting other players up really going to the rim but not having to worry about the stress of the offense all being on his shoulders. And I feel like he feels like he can be more creative when he's off ball. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that, which is exactly why this season I want to see Shea the aggressor. Because depending on who's available and all that stuff, and it's way too early to get into Mock Jeff Radio and all that, but if Shea gets paired with another guard who's going to play with the ball in their hands like I would rather see Shea attack for this year and maybe next year if you know it that's not the fit that's given to him in the draft see him attack because I feel like it's always like you can always go back to that role of playing a little bit off ball and then that way he has more experience in knowing hey if you're playing alongside whoever and they're not having it tonight Shea then has those year year and a half two years of experience of, of being the aggressor to, to try to take over the game and, and help pick up his teammates so that's why Christine I like I agree with you that's the role I envision for him in the future yeah for right now I want to see him be the aggressor because I think it's just an easier adjustment to like tamper that down a little bit and, and make plays off the ball as opposed to doing it vice versa right no I exactly agree with you Ryan I I just mean thank you uh, yeah, I just mean that even though like for right now, the smart thing to do and the right thing to do for the Thunder is obviously to have SGA being the primary point guard, having him grow in that in that position, having him grow in his confidence, having him understand how to play out certain situations. The future for the Thunder, I believe, is SGA off ball. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of said it more coherently than I did but just well thank you just just view this as uh you know Brady always talks about the miserable summer league experience where Terrence Ferguson was asked to be a playmaker on the ball things like that just view it as a, an extended summer league with a player who is 10 times the player that Terrence Ferguson ever will be it was the stuff of nightmares bless his heart hopefully Philadelphia is good to him um. sometimes a little distance between your problems is a good thing <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that Ryan's happy he's gone. Matt, are you happy Terrence Ferguson's gone? Uh, yes. Well, wh- why? Uh, Did the he best hurt- game he ever played was his rookie year. 
Oh, the dunk, the dunk fest Ooh. in L.A.? And he never never progressed. So never He had a two-month stretch where he was hitting 42% from three on five attempts. Yeah, and hey, we all thought, wait a fun. minute. Did the Thunder <laughs> just unlock the two guard? It did they it. finally oh, did it. It finally did work. it. But no, yeah, no. I'm I'm glad. Maybe maybe he'll turn around in Philly, but uh, just wasn't working out here. And then Lou Dort happened. <laughs> right. Then Lou Dort happened. But you know what we have not talked about tonight? That he looks like Javier Bardem. I know. I just watched No Country for Old Men last night. Lou looks exactly like him. Oh my gosh! You took the words right out of my mouth, Brady. It's a great movie. Go ahead. Amazing. Alexei Pokashevsky tonight. Like what was going on with him? Like so, he he had the whole concussion protocol. We didn't know if he was going to be available tonight. He becomes available, and before tonight, his shot was so flat that it went you know just straight to the rim. Gets the concussion. His shot is looking like it has a nice arc to it. At first, it looked a little bit too rainbowy for my taste, but then he kind of controlled it and he actually finished three of five from the field. So. Has he kind of figured it out? No. It's one It's one game. He played okay defensively, but like you said, he's Cade Davis plus nine inches uh, today. What, look, he had one game. It's good to see him get back into it, but I'm going to need like two years on Pokashevsky. Oh, 100%. But he did show a lot of potential tonight. There was growth. I don't know if it was just based on the fact that he got fixed in the head by the Could concussion. I, I kind of believe that it was. What? <laughs> Come on. I think that poke chefs you just need to get a knock on the head. Sometimes people need to get a knock on the head to get it right. He screwed his head on right, Brady. I hope so. I hope he's okay. He looked okay. He looked yeah, fine. He looked, he looked fine. good. That three that he hit at the top of the keys really going to get the uh, the fanboys. Uh, what killed me uh, was excited. Go yeah, yes. What killed me was when he had that block on the defensive end and then just went right back and put it right back in their face. And I just was was yeah, I no, never it's, saw. It's not what you expected of Poku. No, I never. I've never seen a skinny man just look so terroristic. Like what? Did you? What? Did you? <laughs> so just we went. Poku we went from terrorist? advocating uh, <laughs> the benefits of concussions to <laughs> what? Just you, you know, you called him terroristic. Yeah. Yes. What is that bad? Yes. Terrifying. Sure. There we go. Same thing. Yes, his shot at times is terrifying. His first one off balance in the corner, and oh boy, it missed everything. But but so would I. But he took less attempts tonight than he has in the past. Thank thank the young kids learning. Better shot selection? Do we attribute that to better shot selection? It's one one game. I'm I'm just asking the questions. Who, who on no. this who on this team cool. is going to yell at a, a guy like Pokushevsky like in practice and say, "Don't you dare take seven or eight shots if you haven't hit the first four or five. Mike Don't you dare. Is Mike Muscala that guy? Well, he's he's the he's the uh, maestro of the second unit. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he's directing traffic. He can't do it now. It's going to sound like I can't. I can't raise my voice. Hami, I'm tagging you in. My rib, ribs, rib injury. Yes, rib injury. God, rough for him. Can't even imagine. But that was your first Take Thunder post-game show. I am Christine Butterfield. That was Brady Trantham, Ryan Chapman, and of course, your favorite producer's favorite producer, Matt Burton. We'll see you guys next time.